Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Fat Mascara is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. Therapy is a safe space to get those things off your chest. Plus, it can help you develop coping skills that make your life easier. I will give you an example. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me say it to Jess or to a guest, reframe. Well, I learned that technique from a therapist. Here's an example. Now that I'm a freelance writer and podcaster, I get lonely working from home and I feel like I'm never gonna get to collaborate on projects again. And that's the truth. Reframe, I get to choose which projects I work on. So I'm in control of what I work on. And if I want to collaborate more with others, I don't have to ask anyone's permission. I can just do it. See what I did there? That's reframing. If you've been thinking about starting therapy or are looking for someone to help you process things and give you coping skills, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mascara today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash mascara. Again, betterhelp.com slash mascara. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Welcome to Fat Mascara. Who are you? I'm Jess. I'm Jen. I'm always Jen. You know what? I wonder if anyone's dropping in for the first time in the show. Wait, I'm sure we have new listeners. Welcome, new listeners. Welcome. And if you are a new listener, tell us. So Right now, just say it out loud. <laughs> Wherever you in are. In your car, in your home. We can hear you. That's how podcasts work. <laughs> so I know we've got a lot to talk about, but um, I just got back from quite the journey. I know. I haven't seen you in the office. It's like we're just ships passing in the night, you and I. I. Sorry, guys, if we used our podcast to catch up with each other friend-wise, <laughs> but you could just listen in on that, right? You know, it's always interesting to hear. What... You, you went to the farm. Yeah. I went, to, I went to not just the farm. I went to the mountain. So, okay, just real quick. This week, Monday and Tuesday, I love Wednesday morning, I was at the annual Mary Kay 
retreat. And I have to tell you, this is by far the most coveted invite in all of beauty, wouldn't you say? I mean, y- yes. It is. It's it's coveted. And I could not believe it was like getting the Willy Wonka like golden ticket. Like, it's me. You know, I was so excited. So Blackberry Farm is this really lush, posh, like so idyllic, like nature as you imagine it in like storybooks. You know, there's like a white picket fence. Rolling hills. Not picket. Bird song. Yes. Everything is manicured. It feels surreal. There's no humidity. They get rid of it somehow. (laughs) I don't know. And there's like seven people or nine people for every guest there. So you, you don't want for any. Thing. Like if you said I want chocolate chip cheesecake, you would get it by the like a minute. Um, what about if it's all healthy and you need a diet coke? So okay, so they put me on the mountain. Okay, okay not they, just me. They put, <laughs> the, they put you on the so mountain. There's, there's now there's a new property called Blackberry Mountain, and this is getting a lot of press because it's like if Blackberry, if you loved Blackberry Farm, you know, wait for the mountain. The mountain has a healthier bent. Okay, and. Um, I have to tell you, this is how great the BlackBerry like TM service is. Uh-huh. I was jonesing for a Diet Coke or seven. So <laughs> <laughs> suddenly uh, I, w- I was told this could be taken care of. A sixer of D.C. comes to my cottage. Wait, so they have all healthy stock stuff only because it's like the spa property? Yeah. And they brought you a six-pack of Diet Coke yep. up the mountain. Up the mountain. I don't know how they got it there. I don't know if it was a drone. I don't know if it was like a, <laughs> the cute boy who delivered it like with a smile. Um, it's just unbelievable. But I know that you might want to hear about the real reason why we're there, which was to celebrate with Mary Kay, to learn all about their new products for the rest of the year. There's so many good ones I can't tell you about because they were crazy oh, embargo. Annoying. But I did spend some time with Luis, who is their like, you know, Mary Kay makeup artist. Ambassador. Global makeup artist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's a, he that actually, man is full of tips. He travels so often. Um, he did give me one thing that I put on our Instagram. So I'm sorry if this is like a dupe tip for you, but I just thought it was like an obvious Share with game me. changer. I don't think I saw it. You didn't see I've it? I've been busy planning my okay. freaking wedding. Okay. Right? You have your excuse for the next two months. Okay. He was doing the model's eyeshadow. And by the model, I mean the PR girl. Um, and she looked amazing. So I was looking at her eyeshadow. I was like, this is good. And he goes, well, you want to use a different brush to blend. You apply with one eyeshadow brush and then you smooth and blend with a clean one. Having two brushes. That's actually quite genius. It's like if you're a painter, I'm not a painter, but you know when like it's all. Don't smear around the color. You put the color where you want it. Exactly. Now you blend. And I have so much trouble sometimes with deeper eyeshadows because I feel like. Like darker colors? Yeah. Yeah. It creates like like a, it looks blotchy. It doesn't look smooth. It doesn't look even. Here's your answer. Can they be the same brush even? Just one is clean and one has the color. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just about the clean Genius. brush. So I really love that. And then this is not Mary Kay. Mary Kay, I love you, but I hope you can um, appreciate that I had to – I have to talk about this. I was sitting next to Erica Metzger, a fellow beauty editor, on the plane, and we're having a good gab session. And I was like, I'm so tired. I'm so sorry. Just let me close my eyes. Like, no offense. She's like, of course. I wake up, and her nails are like this sick mani that looks like she got a paint box or something or one of these like gel nail studios. It looks like a $70 manicure. And she said, it's um, it's like fake. It's it's polish strips. And she showed me the brand is called Color Street. And I'd, I actually was not aware of this brand. Uh, you, she just like put them on, pressed them on her nail. She had to clean them up a little bit with the file. But it looked like everyone was staring at her manicure for the rest of the day. It was so Color good. Street? Yeah, they're like decals. 
I know Sally Hansen had them at one point, but they were really like you had to like then like sort of edge around the edge of your nail to get it clean. Yeah, I can't speak to how difficult. Okay, we're going to try color. I just have to let you know that I woke up and Erica Metzger had a manicure. Erica Metzger had like a sick manicure. So you guys can check it out for yourself. I have not tried it, but I thought it was pretty neat. Sounds like you had fun without me. I did miss you. Should we do our show and then you can just like bask in me for a couple okay, I'll little take, while? Take it away. What are we talking about today? Okay. I want to keep talking about the farm, but guys, but we Google have some, it. Like, but, it's unbelievable. But guys, there's news. Oh, we got news. Okay. When the beauty world breaks into oh. the mainstream and James Charles controversy, how could we not? Oh my God. We're going to talk about that. a big deal. Um, and also, is the facialist brand the new doctor brand? <gasps> we'll discuss. And last, Jess, I'm going to improve your vagal tone. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> Hands off. You're going to like it. Who's our guest? <laughs> You're going to like it. Um, our guest is the wonderful, the fabulous Dr. Giacono. That's right. Dr. Andrew Giacono, plastic surgeon. To the stars, even though he won't tell us which ones. He, I mean, it's that doctor-patient privilege, that pesky doctor-patient privilege. God damn OSHA. But he, I have to say, is the first plastic surgeon. That, OSHA. Wait, OSHA is the occupational safety yeah. hazard. What did I mean? HIPAA. Yes, yes, HIPAA. yes, HIPAA. <laughs> um, you know what? He is the first plastic surgeon we've had on the show, and we just kicked it off with the best. All right. This James Charles controversy. I don't know. If, if you guys listen to the show, you might know about it. How I found out about it was, you guys are amazing. The Facebook group, the private fan Facebook group. I mean, how could you not find out about it? The story is everywhere. No, it, it was like, I, I want to be like, it was weeks ago. It was a long time ago. It said, is anyone else? And I, I forget who posted it, but thank you. Following this James Charles stuff. It was right at like the storm was just starting to brew. I can't even follow all the steps of it. But what I gather is that Tati Westbrook has her own food, like beauty supplements. And then hair supplements. Or hair supplements. Yeah. And he was promoting sugar bear hair at Coachella or something. Mm-hmm. And that she called him out for that. But then also added some character, like some some damning character yes. stuff about. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say it exactly because I, I we, I, we have not been able wrong. to fact check this. Yeah, I cannot fact check this, but it was something about being untoward towards other males. Yes, and that's the thing. There is there's no way to like we're not getting a comment because they're yeah. not commenting right now. But Tati's followers are certainly commenting because I think some of them were following James Charles and he lost like what two million followers. He lost something crazy, and what 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 blew my mind was. That this okay, I saw on the Facebook group. I'm like, oh, I gotta check this out. I don't know. I, I gotta look. It was in the New York Times. It was in the New Yorker. There are articles in. I repeat that the New York Times and the New Yorker are talking about a like hashtag like beauty drama. Okay, but here is my thinking on this, and I've thought about this because I tried to explain the controversy to someone else who's not in the beauty world, and they would just and they were it, older, they, but they looked at you. Let's not be. This ageist. person was, this not person was in their forties, so they were like. What am I saying? I'm in my 40s. But basically, they were like, why is this matter? And I thought about it and I said, remember back in like the 1930s? I don't remember. I wasn't around. But there was always that the celebrities would – they would hook up one celebrity with another and send them to the premiere together. And that would be like gossip and it would sell the movies. Like a PR stunt, yeah. And then, you know, then we did that with movie stars, with they TV do that stars. I think that content creators are our new real-life gossip soap opera. The beauty aside, like people don't care that these people make beauty how-to videos. These are the new – like – Gossip queens and it's kings. So we did not even discuss this before, and I, I hand on heart, we we did, did not even discuss this 
We didn't even utter James Charles to each other. But yesterday, I was on set, and what you said is like so syncing up with what this girl said. What so, she said. So this girl, I work with her. She's like a cute, cool twenty-something. She's she's very hip. She's very trendy. <laughs> do I sound old? Maybe. Um, she's so hip. So I said. Are you, when do you watch all these videos? Because she was talking about a number of controversies in beauty. And I know she's got a busy job. And I just couldn't picture at what point she's doing this. She goes, well, when I come home from work, you know, I watch them. Yeah, the and same way you watch your Real like, Housewives. Well, she said, because we used to, like, you know, chat a little bit about TV and stuff. She said, I stopped watching, like, the network dramas. And she named a few. She goes, I even stopped watching reality, which wounded me. But, <laughs> I mean... I said, so you're sitting there on your laptop just watching this? And she said, yeah. It was just like... A lot of people do. They, she and Sam, who I work with, um, hi, Sam Nybart, if you're listening, they, she said that like there's a 48-minute video, and she's, you know, I think she I think she said she watched it, and I'm thinking, I'm picturing all these kids. Like They're kids. not just kids. No, I was saying kids. I'm like, people my age and, you know, younger are watching this stuff for entertainment. I'm like... I can't even freaking keep up. I, yeah, I don't think it, and I think that's the thing. You can't think about beauty content creators in the beauty space as a how-to for beauty. It's no. not. It's a TV show. It's an entertainment. You're now. so right. The, so one last thing, yeah. I will say, and it, you know, I know that, that you're Team Tati. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take. I don't have you know anything in this fight, but it really frightens me that somebody can go online, say one thing true or not true. I'm not saying what the stuff either of them said is true. And it, like, tears people down. I'm not comfortable with that at and all. And quickly, because there's no vetting process. Because the, the content goes right out without editors, producers, news people to fact check it. And you could say whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're, I was thinking. Is it fake news, Jess? <laughs> it might be fake news, yeah, but that's the thing. Yeah. But you, you, this kind of knee-jerk response to everything. And, the and then by of, the time the truth comes out, this story has already settled in everyone's minds in a certain way. Yeah. And it's really it's really hard. Yeah. I, I'm not pleased about the way the culture is going there, but, you know. You know, I do like that beauty is a bit more mainstreamed. Yeah, that's cool. And we, you know, our people were in the New Yorker, so that's fun. <laughs> All right, there's our take on the Tati James controversy. Yeah, feud. Ta- feud. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom and it took so long and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line and after that I was like never again until Honey Love came along Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath and there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom it's so easy Honey Love products make you look good and feel good whether it's for a wedding event an everyday boost of confidence Honey Love is the perfect plus one treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. 
After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honeylove. Hey everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less, they're $39.90. But the quality is excellent and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. Okay, everyone, I am one of those people who, when it comes to wellness, sorry, but it's got to fit into the pockets of my day. Five minutes here, seven minutes there, when I'm like in the kitchen and I'm microwaving something long, it's got to be convenient. And that is why Aloe Moves works for me. My mindset has changed. The app makes it easy for me to keep my wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place and bite-sized little bits. Yoga, Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, so much more. From beginner to advanced, Allo Moves has the flow or class that's going to fit into your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour depending on what you're feeling that day. You know what feeling I'm feeling most days? I'm feeling 10 minutes. I've been doing that's good. Joanna Thompson's. Right? That's about it. Yeah. That's good. 10 minutes. Joanna Thompson does these yoga lotties in 10. One day will be abs. One day will be arms. Today, Jess, is booty day. And we're just (laughs) going to get it done all in 10 minutes. If you're trying to get a good sweat, then you've got to try their award-winning workouts like the sweat-inducing yoga flows or the reformer Pilates workouts without weights. You can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, learn to do dry brushing. How many times have we talked about dry brushing on this podcast? Aloe Moves will teach you how to do it. Unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use the code MASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. Okay, it's time for trends. I've got a big trend. I'm saying it, but Netaporte is saying it too. Facialist brands are the new dermatologist brands. 
Mm, the reason controversial. I know, but all of a sudden, out of not out of nowhere, but a lot of the facialists have skincare lines, which we know about. Sales on Net-A-Porter of these facialist brands are up sixty percent last year. That's but remember so when it was always like Paracone, Murad, Sobel, Doctor Dennis Gross, mm-hmm. Brandt, and they were the hot ticket item. Yeah. Lately, the facialist brands are doing really well. Do you have any thoughts on why that might be? So, I think that the facialist brands are doing well because. A lot of them have like personality. I mean, this is kind of obvious, but personalities attached to them. And a lot of them work with celebrities and their star has risen because they're on people's, you know, celebrities. Like they basically they yeah. have the benefit of Instagram to give them a boost where doctor brands, when they came out, they certainly didn't have any social media. And some people don't even want to say they go to the dermatologist for stuff. Right. So- exactly. Yeah. The derm was a very different, like derm felt a little bit. It had a different um, connotation. Yeah, like if like a Jennifer Aniston's like, oh, I'll talk about my facialist, but she's not going to be like, so-and-so does my Botox. Completely. You're right. So the other thing is, yeah, so it's like the cult of personality there. And also I think we're in a moment where like people want treatments. It's not like, well, people want injections too, not everyone, but treatments. It's like the self-care moment. I don't know. What are you thinking? Um, I think that too, and a lot of the facialists' products are like kits, and there's like a whole crafty aspect to it. Like um, that one of the top sellers I saw was Teresa Tarmi. She's like a oh, she's British, right? Yeah, she's known as like the laser facialist. Yeah, her micro needling kit is four hundred and ninety dollars. People are loving it. Wow, that's quite a bit of money. It's one of the derma roll. It's not the derma stamp, which I prefer. It's the derma roller. So take that with what you will. But then I thought about it and I was like, wow, I looked at my medicine cabinet. I was like, I have a bunch of facialist brands in there. Sonia DeCarp, not one of the newer ones. I have always loved her mm-hmm. products. Her flash facial, you know, Joanna Vargas's line. Mm-hmm. I love those little eye patches. Mm, like yeah. when you're on the plane, yeah. they're nice and cool. Do you, and um, Renee Rouleau, who I just met, and I know she does Demi Lovato, and you know I'm obsessed with Demi Lovato. And she has great skin. Demi Lovato is like beautiful. Oh, I want to interview her. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, her triple berry facial mask I'm really into. Oh, I've never tried that. Okay. What are your favorite facialist so brands? So my favorite facialist brand, um, I love the Tracy Martin, the Enzyme Exfoliant. Oh, I put yeah. that on her Instagram once. It was, it's the ultimate treatment if you have somewhere to go, you put that on like that morning. Because you, re- I really do personally notice that my skin looks brighter, even more evenly toned, softer. And you only have to leave it on between like five and ten minutes, which I like. So it's very quick. Um you know, Sonia Dakar is great. She really is. You named a lot of like OG facialists, not like the the, the new, you know, kids on the block. Right. Um, I don't know. I think, well, I can only think of Tracy Martin right now and Sonia. I know oh, there's, there's Sarah Chapman. Oh, my God. How could I forget Sarah? I'm you using like her. her. I love her. Her ultimate cleanse. Mm-hmm. It's okay, guys. It's a cleansing bomb, but it comes in a pump. A lot of the cleansing bombs... A lot of people don't like because you open it, you have this huge like tub, you put your little paw in it. If you use it in the shower, which you should really use on dry skin, water gets into it. It kind of, it's just a little bit of a mess. But this is something you can put, like it's a thin bomb that pumps out, you massage your face. And if you, I little hack, I said, sometimes I don't have time for the bomb and the whole, the washcloth. She says, mix it with a little bit of water. And multiply before. Exactly. Emulsify before. That's okay. I thought it was always that you were supposed to put it on the dry skin because it breaks down the oils. I th- well, I think for the morning, if you're in a rush job, you can do it. A like rush that. job. What? That sounds so gross. <laughs> it's a rush job. Okay. Uh-huh. That's what they say in Britain with Sarah Chapman. <laughs> it's a rush job. <laughs> so um, it's very, 
it's very like sensorial and nice. And I think that as we I listened to all the things we just named, we weren't naming like the glycolic serum and the cleanser or like mm-hmm. it was all treatment based that also have like a little practice to go along with them and a little self-care time. Yeah, it will. feels like a treat like, oh, I'm getting something from, you know, Victoria Beckham's facialist. Like, sure. You know, yeah. versus just your your average, you know, kind of non-personality attached brand. So if you want to invest in beauty, I'm saying invest in the facialists. And the derms will come back at some time. Yeah. Right now, I think they're really hot. Hot tip. Jess, are you ready to improve your vagal tone? That's disgusting. <laughs> I know. I do. Every time I always hear vagal tone, I, I mean, it makes you think of like kegels and vaginas. It's, and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a combination. That's no, it's, it's, but it's neither of those things. It's, it's your vagus nerve oh, and how it affects your entire body. So I saw this product, this Osea um, – Tell me the name of the product you have. Osea, it over there. it's called I mean, Vegas Nerve Oil. Vegas Nerve Oil, and it's I was just like, called the oil. Okay, we want to stop saying Vegas. Vegas, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what is this thing now? And then my lovely intern Nina at Mary Claire did she? She's the best. I was like, can you find out what's going on with the Vegas nerve and mm-hmm. everything? She interviewed for me Dr. Nivia Brigitte Calico, um, a psychiatrist for and the head of the East Village Psychiatry. Sent her the product and all the details and was like, is this BS for me? Oh, and my I, God. Okay. And so this is the thing. The vagus nerve, when it's engaged, it re- it releases acetylcholine, which is then delivered to all your organ systems, and it helps you chill the fuck out. Excuse my language. Yeah. CTFO with the vagal nerve. Um, saliva production increases in your mouth. It's getting grosser by the second. I'm sorry. Your stomach, your stomach starts digesting. Your heart rate slows. Anxiety drops. Basically, when you massage this nerve which is in your neck and I'm going to take you through it Mm. it's like a way to it's a way to decrease anxiety and help you like bring it back down so I guess Osea knew that and they were like let's make a product to help you do this okay so you remember when you taught me to mew yes and it was mewing right yeah mewing it's it's uh it's like to help you with your facial facial structure well now I'm going to teach you to to improve your vagus tone you ready okay okay put two pumps of the vagus nerve oil into your hands and rub them together. Okay, hold on. I've got. I just done two pumps. Mm-hmm. And cup them in front of your uh, nose and breathe in deeply. Okay. Oh, it's like I'm at the spa. Mm-hmm. I'll choose the lavender. Okay, so the, the doctor also said it is there is lavender in there and, mm-hmm. and it does have aromatherapeutic benefits. So that's part of it. Okay. okay, now you want to start at your clavicle. You know where your clavicle is, yeah, right? Is this going to get off all of my, my expensive Zara top? No, not at all. Okay. Um, Gently massage in an upward motion along the left side of your neck only. Okay. Nice. You're doing it well, just like the picture. Now move to the right side of your neck. Okay, just do the same thing? Yes, gently massage upwards from your clavicle all the way to like almost behind your ear. This sweater isn't really conducive. I think this is better with my top off, but I'll spare you. Okay, let's (laughs) settle down here. Settle down. Okay, then with two fingers, you're going to gently rub behind your earlobes. Oh, I do this all the time at work. But you probably don't know why it feels good. No, I don't know. And this is where that nerve, there, it, it runs along there. Actually, the doctor said, too, you have to be careful because um, if you push too hard and you hit the correct place. <laughs> you <can> pass out. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my God. You know how they have, like, in the movies, those, like, pinches that, like, the person just passes out? Wait, it's called— Your um, carotid artery is there, so you got to be careful. A sleeper, the sleeper— The sleeper holds. Yeah. So don't push too hard. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, so after you do, do that, it before a big meeting, okay. After you do that, it's just like on the floor. Everybody, like, she's so relaxed. Any place I don't want to go, I just give myself a sleeper hole. Improve your vagal tone. Yeah. Okay, now bring your hands to your chest, interlacing your fingers like this little picture here. Okay. 
Um, do, I put, do I put then, them on the skin? No, just like there. And then bring it behind your head. Okay. Almost like you're like Sorry. chilling out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now look all the way to the right. Keep your head straight, but look to your gaze all the way to the right. Am I? Are you punking me? No. Stay until you experience a sensation of swallowing a sigh or a yawn. Look all the way to the right. You got to keep looking. It hurts. Right? But see how it makes you like feel like a little relaxed oh. inside? No, it hurts to look all the way to the right. So look as far to the right okay. that doesn't hurt. Okay. Do you feel a sensation? Not really. Okay, now look all the way to the left. It does it for me right away. Like, I feel like a funny belly feeling. You don't? No. I'm huh. sorry. Maybe we didn't engage your vagus system the right way. Maybe I need You to could be- bring your arms down oh, okay. now. <laughs> okay. The point here is that you don't need the Osea oil to do it, though I love the name. But massaging your neck with an aromatherapy oil can, like, bring down your whole parasympathetic system. Well, Your I, fight or flight is unengaged right now. I have now. to tell you, sometimes I think I do look a bit like freakish at work because I will um, use, I have a peppermint oil and I'll put that on my hands and I'll rub my neck with it because it makes my neck feel cool and I have a very tense neck, you know, and it causes yeah. headaches. Yeah. So I do, like, I guess I, I'm already doing it, but I'm not doing the choreography that you've prescribed. I think breathing deep too and taking the moment to do this is part of it. So we'll put a link to, they have like a how to do this on the OSEA website. Yeah. It might work for you guys. Yeah. And thanks also to Dr. Calico. And I'll put a link to her practice who said, no, this isn't BS. Your vagal tone needs to be taken care of. Wait, is this it, Jen? I'm doing this because of vagal You want to go upwards though, not downwards. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, you know, I'll I'll change my flow. I'm just rubbing where my neck meets my um, my shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll put it all online so you guys can try that. And tell me that oil doesn't smell divine. It smells great. The whole stewed sounds smells great. The Mm. fat studio is so (laughs) Vegas right now. Get it? Vegas? Vagal? (laughs) Vegas nerve? Okay, I'm done. All right. Can you believe that we've never had a plastic surgeon on Fat Mascara? I mean, that is crazy. I can't believe it. And I, I am a co-host of Fat I know, Mascara. It's like 150 plus episodes. We've never had a surgeon. But we decided to go straight to the top for our first one. We have Dr. Andrew Ciccono, MD.FACS, right? Mm, that's that's my title. Yeah, I, I just just looked at the book. Uh, <laughs> and you're a New York City board-certified plastic surgeon, and I mentioned the book. You also are the author of one of my favorite beauty books ever, The Park Avenue Face, which just came, which just came out this month. Yeah, what? just actually yesterday. Ah, it congrats. Just, we just launched it. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's a, big, it's a big day. It's a big week. Well, okay, so we've had a lot of derms on the show. Sure. And we've never had, as I mentioned, a plastic surgeon. So outside of like a hideous disaster, where, if someone's concerned about their facial appearance, sure. when should they see a plastic surgeon as opposed to a dermatologist? Well, I mean, I think you. the, the truth is, is that Plastic surgery, I think lots of times begins where dermatology ends, Mm. (laughs) you know, because dermatologists do a fantastic job. You know, they do a lot of techniques and treatments to enhance your face. Yeah. You know, they do things for your skin. They can do laser resurfacing. They do facial tightening devices. Um, They do injectable treatments. They do Botox and fillers. They can keep us looking great for a long time. Uh, Plastic surgeons do those treatments, but I think that plastic surgeons who are well-trained and dermatologists who are well-trained both do a great job at those things. But the problem is, obviously, is that there's certain things you can't do with just a needle or a non-surgical treatment. Um, Obviously, some of those things the dermatologist would never see, things like a rhinoplasty Mm -hmm. or if somebody has, you know, a small or weak chin, 
you know, if you have bags under your eyes, there's only so much you can do with injectable treatments. So there are reasons why people seek out plastic surgery. But as we get older, and this is a lot of what my, what my book is about, is to educate people not just about the non-surgical treatments that both plastic surgeons and dermatologists do, but how do you make sure that you're doing the right things for yourself, not mm-hmm. overdoing it? And when do you really start thinking about doing something that's a little bit more aggressive? So you mentioned like, you know, when you start doing things that are more aggressive. Sure. I think a lot of people, you know, even some of our listeners, and we have we have a wide age range of listeners, but maybe think plastic surgery, mm, this is this is not for me. This is like for much later in life where this is... If they don't want like a nose job or something, but they're thinking about like rejuvenation. Yeah. You know? Or they yeah. might think plastic surgery like, you know, is a little bit dated reference, but like Joan Rivers. You know what I mean? It's well, so... Of course. Well, who, who would want that, right? You yeah. Know, I mean, Joan Rivers did. Yeah. I mean, what everybody... It's what evokes fear. You so, know, plastic surgery is synonymous with, you know, your least favorite looking celebrity. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. <laughs> you, know, uh, you, know, you, you know, everybody can think of a time when they've watched like the Oscars or, or an award show where a celebrity came out looking like they had done something. They yeah. didn't look like themselves anymore or they look very sculpted, artificial, tight, or their face just looks distorted. And mm-hmm. it's scary. Yeah. You know, and that's that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book because – you know, the book is called The Park Avenue Face, and it's like, why? what's the Park Avenue Face? Oh, you could just interview yeah. yourself here. Yeah. I like this. What is the <laughs> Park Avenue trained. Face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I've thought a lot about this book and his reasons why I wrote it. But the thing is, is that everybody, the reason, the number one reason why I wrote this book mm-hmm. is for the reason we were just discussing. Because people say to themselves, you know, maybe I'm looking to do something to enhance my appearance. But if all those celebrities, you know, all those people from Hollywood People with money and access who can get the best care don't look normal. Mm. Me as an average person out there, what chance do I have? So why would I go about even going on this journey? Because I don't want to look weird. I want to look like logical. myself. I want to look. Enha- I want to enhance my appearance, but I don't want to trade enhancing my appearance for looking like a plastic surgery victim. So the, the Park Avenue face is something that I deal with all the time, not because I practice on Park Avenue. But because my clients, especially those from New York, they prefer a different aesthetic. And what I mean is, is that they want to look like themselves. They want to look like themselves, but a better version. So that's so is that what the Park Avenue face is? It kind of is, yeah. Okay. Because what I call, I see this dichotomy. I see what I call the East Coast aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And the East Coast aesthetic is somebody who wants to maintain their personal signature. They want people to see them and not say, what happened? They want somebody to look at them and say, oh my God, you look amazing. What are you doing? You know, did you change your hair? Your skincare regimen must be better. You lost weight. You're exercising. Your life is good. You look vibrant. Mm. That's the Park Avenue face. That is the East Coast aesthetic. The West Coast aesthetic is the, you know, overfilled cheeks. It's the overly scooped out nose. These are fighting words. They are. (laughs) There's like a gang of East Coast surgeons and West Coast surgeons. No, but here's the thing. There are people on the West Coast surgeons who do East Coast work, but it's synonymous with the West Coast because we see, you know, many celebrities on Instagram. We see, you know, B-list celebrities. We see A-list celebrities and they're in our face. They're in our media. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes people afraid. So unfortunately, the West Coast aesthetic, whether it's created by doctors or requested by those people from the West Coast, is the thing that people want to avoid. 
right? So it's not that our, our, our West Coast listeners want to look bad. It's more of this like this Hollywood overdone kind of aesthetic. It, yeah, it, it is. It's an aesthetic. And you, when you go to L.A., I mean, anybody's been to L.A. I'm sure you guys have been to L.A. Mm-hmm. You kind of walk the streets and you, you walk around and like people start to look like they're related <laughs> <laughs> because they have the same overinflated cheeks. Their lips look the same. Their nose looks the same. Everything looks the same, same, same. So mm-hmm. I think there's an archetype mm-hmm. that may be considered to be attractive in, in some fashion. Um, obviously it is because people get a lot of attention for looking that way. Yeah. So there are a lot of Instagram models who get, you know, they have tens of millions of followers and bazillions of likes and they have brands and all this stuff, but they kind of all look like each other. They do, don't they? They kind of do because if you can build that face and that body, then you get more attention from people. So it's something that some people aspire to. But my Park Avenue patients don't aspire to that look. Mm-hmm. So what I do in this book is I define this aesthetic. And again, I want to be very clear is that I have plenty of my colleagues who I respect on the West Coast who do, quote unquote, East Coast work. Right. So it's not that doctors only in New York or on Park Avenue can create the East Coast aesthetic. It's that you have to be very clear what you want and you will need to make sure you seek out doctors who can create that kind of outcome for you. So what I do in the book is, is I go throughout the whole face whether it be your skin, whether it be non-surgical treatments, whether it be rejuvenating your eyes, you know, your face, your nose, whatever it is. And I talk about East Coast approaches. So all the things that create more of a normal look, even though it can be surgical, there are techniques and approaches that are more subdued. And then there are ones that are a little bit more West Coasty, let's call mm-hmm. it. So if you're a West Coasty, you can use this book to try to figure out the West Coasty kind of procedures and seek them out. But what I do is I let the reader know because it's hard to know this as a person. Yeah, we were going to ask you this later, but I think now is a good time. Say you are considering plastic surgery, and we'll get into when you should be or why, why you might be. Like, where's the first place you go other than reading your book? Like, sure. where do you even start? That's the problem because there's so much information out there, right? So what people do is, is that, you know, we all think we're like super researchers. <laughs> <laughs> Jen was literally just talking about yeah. that. The internet the, uh, made us all think we're experts on everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because all I need is my, you know, all I need is Google and like, you Yeah, know, I'm basically uh, a plastic Surgery. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. All I need is my Google machine. <laughs> I need a good, you know, wait, ten to twelve wait. hours of research, and I'll be able to figure out the truth. You can do it yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> DIY. <laughs> DIY oh, plastic surgery. But what winds up happening is, is that there's lots of conf- conflicting messages out there. So unfortunately, you can get a lot of information, but depending upon the source, you may be getting a mixed messages. So that's why I wrote this book because I have so many patients who come in with all those mixed messages and they're trying to figure out which end is up. But obviously, save that, you kind of have to be a, a private investigator. What do people yeah. want you to do, just to piggyback off your question, off, off what you just said, do people ever come in your office and they say, like, I want this or I'm sure that I don't need this? Like, what, yeah. what are people telling you that you have to kind of back them off the ledge? Well, yeah. I mean, people have their own preconceived notions and that's when you have to educate them. And that's where, you know, that's why I spend a lot of time studying and doing what I do. So some people come in and they say, oh, I want a lip lift, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just for example. And then they start to tell you what they want to achieve. And you're like, no, you don't want a lip lift. You don't want surgery at all. This would be a much better option for you. So people think that they figured it all out. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to re-educate them. And sometimes you have to save people from themselves. (laughs) Because unfortunately, you know, our industry, since it's, it's elective, there's no perfect diagnosis, right? So if you have, you know, 
if you have a gallbladder that needs to come out, it's pretty obvious. They do a scan. The gallbladder is not good. You got to take it out. With us, sometimes doctors are more ready to just execute what people want, even if they're not necessarily a good candidate mm -hmm. because you the patient requests it. So, you know, I talk more people out of surgery some days than discuss a surgical possibility for them. Wow. Because the fact that I realize where it's going. And once you educate people, people are smart. Once you give them the information, explain to them what this will do, how it may not work with their face. It doesn't work with their face because it's not balanced. It'll exaggerate their features or maybe it's just not the right approach. And then you give them options. You know, there are non-surgical options. There are invasive options. Some things do this. Some things do that. Once you show people pictures of it, this is what I do. I show you pictures of this procedure, what it does, what that procedure, what it does, this non-surgical thing. And then when you put that in front of people and you use some digital morphing of their own pictures, they kind of come around. They go, yeah, you know what? You're right. I don't like that. I like this better. And then you can really help them achieve their goals. And it's always best to do it in the least invasive way. And do you want people to go around and we always say like, oh, get a second opinion, do your research. Like at Absolutely. what point is too many opinions, too many opinions? Because say they come to you, then they go to another doctor, another, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I, think I you don't need know. To do, I think you need to do that. because it You is, do? Absolutely. How many? I, yeah. I mean, ideally, I think that you should have four quality consults. Wow. Four. Yeah, four. Do you four. pay for a consultation? In my office, you do. Some doctors yeah. do them for, what I do is, is I charge people a consultation fee. But if they do go ahead with any treatment, whether it's non-surgical, surgical, it's applied towards Redeemable the treatment. Redeemable in product. <laughs> yeah. Right? Whatever. And just so that the patient doesn't feel like they're losing something for the cost of the procedure, the cost of the consultation. But, you know, some doctors do non, you know, they don't charge for consults. But the reason why is, is that it's sort of like dating. <laughs> Uh -oh. It's not just about getting the right information. You have to have chemistry with your surgeon because you're really starting a, a partnership. That's interesting. Well, it's true because you need to really trust that individual, not just their skill and their ability, but when you have questions and you're stressed, if you had a procedure, you need to feel comfortable enough to voice your opinions and feel like you can actually you know, go to that person and be able to get answers that you need. So if you're in the office and you're talking to them and they're giving you like, you're getting a bad vibe, is it okay to yeah. say no? Yeah, it, absolutely. So in my in the book, I do go over a chapter where how it's best to select a plastic surgeon. And that's one of the things they say is, and, and this is one of the big like subheadings within that chapter is to trust your gut. Because I think all of us have had experience in our life that have nothing to do with plastic surgery where we wanted to go in one direction, but something inside of us said, don't do it. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of did it anyway because we just oh. wanted so much to do it. Haircuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happens is, is that afterwards, in hindsight, we go, you know what? I knew this wasn't going to be the right thing. I, I just had a sense about it, but I didn't listen. Yeah. To, to oh, my, my gosh. I'm getting yeah. chills. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yes. I, So, but that is definitely one of the key things that I think that people need to do. Do your research, Get gather your information. But you really need to have a certain amount of resonance with somebody. Mm. Yeah. So one of the things that you talk about in your book that I just think is so interesting is something called filler fatigue. Mm -hmm. What is filler fatigue? Yeah. So, oh, it just got know, serious. Yeah. <laughs> it's time. Like a it's time to talk about yeah. filler it fatigue. It took like a tea, half tea, a tea, gallon tea, of water. <laughs> so, and, yeah. So, it's come to this. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of has. So the, the story is this. Um, as we get older, I think everybody's experienced this, um, you know, we don't want to do anything that's major, but there's all these great little needles that are, can help us look better. Um and common places for people to get fillers, 
you know, for hollows and shadows under their eyes, our cheeks get a little deflated. We get so smile lines, marionette lines are often called. That's a great name, huh? <laughs> um, I want that. <laughs> yeah. How about the doctor term, nasolabial folds? Uh. It's like, what? <laughs> I nasohua, <laughs> But, you know, we get grooves, folds, and as things start to loosen, we get these kind of concavities and shadows in our face that are very harsh with lighting. We try to camouflage them with makeup. But when we start to progress, unfortunately, usually it starts somewhere in your mid to late 30s and it just gets mm-hmm. worse after that. It happens to everybody. People start doing fillers. And fillers are great because what they do is, is it's kind of like spackle. So you got some cracks, you got some dents, you spackle them closed where you put the filler in there and it smooths things out and it looks really great. But the problem is, is as we continue to age, we require more and more filler to get the same bang for our buck. So you go and you get a little filler when you're a little bit younger, it really pays dividends. But as you continue to age, the same amount of filler doesn't really get you what you want. And then as you start to add more and more filler, two things happen. One is, is that your face starts to look bigger. <laughs> so a lot of filler in a face, it starts to make your face look round, wide, and it starts to distort your appearance. You know, I always let, you know, I kind of say this, and I shouldn't say this, but I will anyway because I know you guys will enjoy it. Um, <laughs> when people have too much, f- you know, filler in their face, they start to look like you know the real house of wh- real housewives of wherever. You know, these women <laughs> right, a lot right. of the times on these TV shows, they have that kind of look where they haven't had plastic surgery, but they just look weird. And Over- they all say they haven't had work done on the reunion show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is that you start adding more and more, and then you start to lose a lot of your facial identity and characteristics. The face looks just asymmetric in a weird way. Even though things aren't falling, things are inflated. But the problem with that is, is that not only don't you look great, you kind of look like somebody who's older trying to look younger. Mm. And that happened, you know, and I'll dare go out there on a line, but, you know, people like Lindsay Lohan, who probably engaged, you know, fillers at a very young age, was looking much older than her years, even in her 20s. So do you think that it's um, to start younger? I mean, I won't even talk about the preventative Botox thing right now. because we... I love preventative Botox. I think it's fantastic. I think it works wonderfully. Okay. Yeah. But for fillers, yeah. um, no, th- thank you, because we do get a lot of differing opinions on that. But um, for fillers if you start early like let's say like you know um a Lindsay allegedly may have or someone yeah. like her younger is it something that when you're older you've kind of like the opposite of preventative you kind of like messed up your face a bit well it does because if you well, this is the thing if fillers are done when 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 it's necessary because you can be young and require fillers because some people their faces kind of they sag a little prematurely or mm-hmm. they get a little hollowed out a little bit early so using filler when diagnosed correctly, I don't think is a problem. The problem is, is when you start to add too much, you stretch the tissues out. So this is this thing in the body. It's called biologic creep. It sounds kind of weird. God. Yeah. So it's, it's like, not. What else do we have to worry really about? It really is like a horror movie. Yeah. yeah. It is a little bit creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens is that as we start to fill the tissues of our body, it stretches them out. That's a, a characteristic in plastic surgery that we use. When we're doing things like breast reconstruction, like if a woman has breast cancer, they put a balloon under the skin, it blows it up so that you can create more skin to put an implant in because yes. the breast was taken away. Well, aren't those called something? Tissue expanders. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Oh my God, I, filler acts like that? Yes, it does. So <laughs> when you inflate the tissues, you're stretching the skin out. It's just like gaining weight or being pregnant. So when you gain a lot of weight, you stretch the skin out, sure. and then when you lose it, the skin sags more. Do you see people with like floppy lips once their filler that, is like yeah, wearing Yeah, what out? happens is the lip gets stretched out and it oh. hangs over the upper teeth. So people oh. have too much filler in the lip. If oh it goes gosh. away, now they stretch it out, it hangs more. 
So people have too much filler in their cheeks. As the filler dissipates, their face sags more. But then they see it sagging, and then the natural response is to go get more filler because the concern is, is I don't want surgery, but I don't want to live with my face looking droopy. So they continue to put more and more filler. So what they're doing is they're stretching out their tissues at a more rapid rate than as than if they did anything at all. It's a cycle. Yeah. So filler I do a ton. Fatigue. Yeah, I do a ton of people's facelifts in their mid forties to late forties, not because they look so old, but because they've been engaging fillers excessively for too long. So That's now so they have no option but to do something like a mini facelift at a younger age. Whereas if they didn't do anything. As aggressive, not not do any fillers at all. Fillers are good tools. All these things are like tools in your tool belt. Yeah. As you know, it's very cliche to say, but too much of a good thing is not good for you. Mm-hmm. Everything in moderation, doctors who are going to have your back and do things appropriately at the right time versus people who are out there who are profiteering lots of med spas and places who don't have good medical supervision by good dermatologists or plastic surgeons will be more than ha- happy to empty more vials of filler into your face because they make more dough, right? Right. Because you pay per vial. So and if that, I can get you to do six vials, I made six times the amount of money than if I just put one vial in. And that aesthetic that, um, you know, you said calling it the West Coast aesthetic. Yeah. I see people here in New York who yeah. have that, you know, like just like you said, the West Coast doctors, some of them are New Yorky or East Coast. The New York New York area, I see plenty of girls with the big cheeks yeah. and the little, you know, chin. It's like a look. I, I agree, and I don't think that it's pretty, and I think it's archetypal, and I think it looks, it looks like a Snapchat filter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, not doesn't a good it? Way. Yeah. yeah, not in a good way. Um, you know, because it's cute when it's like got a little nose on it and whiskers, but it's not good when those <laughs> things aren't there, right? Well, so you mentioned the, a mini facelift, but like first, before I ask you about facelifts, what's the youngest person you've done a facelift on? Yeah, I've done plenty of people in their mid to late 30s who have over-engaged fillers at a very young age. And so age. it's usually because of that, not because they were sagging at that age. No. Or, wow. No, no, people don't sag at that age routinely. But if you've been doing fillers from your mid-20s, if say you didn't like your cheekbones and you just wanted higher cheekbones and you just kind of went for it and you went for it a little too much and for too many years, yeah. if you started doing that at 25, by the time you're 35, all that filler not only stretch your tissues out, it weighs your face down. Fillers have weight. They don't defy gravity. They like strapping two weights on your face. Oh so over God. a decade oh having God, too much filler. Again. Well, <laughs> again. No. But again, here's the thing. Using the right amounts and doing them at the right time for the okay. right reasons will protect you. Doing it excessively... And doing it too much too quickly will cause problems. So if it's time, not maybe because of filler fatigue or maybe because you've done your work and your homework and you've consulted and you're really ready for, say, some type of facelift, what can people expect these days? Because I think we all think like, oh, my God, you're going to be bloody and gross and swollen for eight weeks and sure. you're going to have scars behind your ears and everybody's yeah. going to know. Mm-hmm. Sure. What, what does it entail these days? Yeah, so that's definitely true for older style approaches to facelifting, which a lot of surgeons still do. So people do wind up, and I do lots of revision work, with large, long incisions that are hard to hide and that people will take forever to recover. So then there are are newer techniques. So the techniques we use today, they usually use an incision that's much more hidden. It's literally about one-third or 70, you know, 70% 70% less and shorter in length than a traditional facelift incision. We have better technology. Where is it? it goes inside this little thing called the tragus. So in front of our ear canal, mm-hmm. there's this little piece of cartilage that pokes out. Mm-hmm. You know, Some people get their tragus 
Uh, oh, pierced. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you make an incision inside that thing, not on the outside. So the incision is hidden. It goes around the earlobe wow. onto the back of the ear. So it's like this weird serpiginous S kind of shape. So you can't, So you can't see it. And we go down with telescopes. And we don't. what I don't do is I don't go under the skin layer. I go straight from the incision under the muscle layer. The reason why is, is if you're under the skin and you lift, then what happens is the skin looks very tight or pulled. Right. If you go under the deeper layer of the face, this is called a deep plane facelift. It deep makes plane. Deep, deep, deep plane. plane. When's yeah. the last time you did this? I did two of them today. Like yeah. a couple hours ago, you were digging around in someone's head. I don't dig. <laughs> I, uh, I artistically. Our producer's like out there like, oh my God. What is she saying? I never dig. I gently separate the tissues and lift them. But this sounds more invasive than, say, the old technique, is it? No, it isn't. How long does it take to heal? So, and this is funny. So I'll shout somebody out here. I just did a, uh, a facelift on somebody. Her, she's the uh, she she put it on her story on Instagram. She's called the Eyebrow Doctor, mm-hmm. and she chronicled her recovery over one week. After a week, she was back at work with essentially no bruising or swelling. What I this technique it what it does is is it doesn't disrupt the blood supply to the face, so the face heals very quickly. And what we often do is is we use what's called hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So I work with a couple of hyperbaric oxygen chambers. It sounds kind of futuristic. Michael yeah. Jackson yes used to sleep in one in his home many years ago. <laughs> is it cold? It's not cold at all. It's just that you sit in, it's like a big cylindrical tube that's clear, like glass. So it's not like being in an MRI. It's big. You can see through it. Mm-hmm. But what they do is they put oxygen under high pressure, which makes the bruising, the swelling, and the healing happen at three times the rate oh. it would normally. You do your surgery within one of those? No, or you put them I in do it the afterwards? surgery before and add the, immediately after the surgery, you get hyperbaric oxygen therapy treatments. Okay. And that really br- – so that's like better than any Arnica patch ever. Oh, yeah. We, we do that too, but this is like Arnica on steroids. Okay. Oh, no wonder MJ So I have tons and tons and tons of patients who don't have time to recover. They're on television. They're celebrities. They're models. They're people who are better. Can you tell us some of them? Of course I can. We have NDAs oh, with people. Fine. You know, nobody <laughs> wants to acknowledge the fact. See, this is the fine. thing. Celebrities who look unbelievable, who remain nameless, and you just see them and you just like – you just smile from ear to ear because you're like, they just look amazing. Wait. Those can, people have had work. Can you people tell? In their, people in their late 40s, early 50s who are iconic and just look like they don't age, they're not aging because they've had help. Okay, Jennifer. And that, that, that makes I'm not me saying feel, a word about that. that, that he's, you have not commented on a single celebrity. Yes. Well, let's just let's set the record straight. I don't want them coming for your license because people need their uh, facelifts. <laughs> but can but, you tell watching those people walk by because you're an expert? Can I tell? If they've had the work done? Yeah. I mean, walking, if I was in their presence, I absolutely could. But you have to understand something. A lot of the images we see of those people, there's very few of those images that are not retouched. True, true. So when you look at their social media and you look at what's being put out there, it's been, you know, Facetune like everybody else's. I I have to say, I feel I'm really happy that you said the thing about like, you know, if you see someone who looks amazing, like blow away in their late 40s plus, maybe even before, you know. I think we all think, you know, it's it's avocados and diet and yeah, juice. It's, it's, yeah, I'll call it what I call it, horseshit. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, is that everybody, and, I, and it's interesting, I actually instruct my patients because everybody has this fear that people are going to find out. Now, if you don't have any stigmata of surgery and you don't look weird or pulled or strange, people just look at you like confused. Because when you walk into work after a great procedure and you look seamless and you look youthful... People subscribe to, you know, oh, my God, you had a great vacation. And if they dig further, people say, what are you doing? Your skin looks amazing. I tell people to say things like, you know what, I'm on a super – I'm on this antioxidant diet – 
You I've been are using... perpetuating this myth, though, that we yeah, all but... feel inferior because we don't age like Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, and, but, but here's the you thing. Know... Unfortunately, we live in a very judgmental society. And unfortunately, revealing that you've had surgery, even though it may not look like plastic surgery, can be very detrimental to people. It can affect their careers. It affects their personal relationships. I have to tell you that I have people who they're best friends. They've lost best friends. They don't talk to their family members anymore because people have very strong judgments about plastic surgery. So even if you look normal, it can really disrupt people's lives. Wait, can you talk a little bit more about that? That We weren't going to ask like, you about that, but I'm, I'm really curious because I... Yeah, you know, I, you're you're seeing you're seeing clients not clients patients who are in probably a world where this is not crazy because you are at the top of the it the costs pile. a lot of money yeah but yeah. yeah but nobody but but the thing is, is though people don't like people this is this is something I say all the time our friends and our family member and the people that are confidants want us to be okay but they don't want us to be great and I'm not oh, you know and it's unfortunate God, but it's human nature I don't think that people are evil but it's very hard for people when they see other people around them that they're their peers that are excelling, that they're excelling in their fitness or they're excelling in their appearance, they're excelling in their financial aspects of their life. People don't like outliers. People want us, they feel, it makes us feel inferior. It makes us feel mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Yeah. So if you give people the understanding of why that's the case and if it's related to plastic surgery, people love to out people. Oh, you know, Janie looks fantastic. The reason why is because she had a goddamn facelift, you know, and then what <laughs> well, happens Janie is- Janie should be like, that's right, I do. And I, don't I look good? And there are some people who have that bravado and have that personal power to do that. But there are a lot of people who will, will unfortunately feel very, very violated Aww. and feel very sad. And then really, unfortunately, will even like wish they never told anybody that they had it done in, in the face of looking fantastic, normal, natural, and beautiful. So my suggestion is to most people is that it's better something that you keep to yourself because I've seen how it can really affect people in a very negative way. Now, not the way they look, obviously. But the way that other people deal with that information, and it's sad that it is that way, but that has been my experience, and I have done literally over 3,000 facelifts. Wow. So I've been down this road with so many people, so you see patterns of behavior. So for me, it's kind of silly, just like I talk people out of surgery. You know, it would be really beneficial for me to tell everybody to scream from the hills that I did their surgery, <laughs> yeah. but I, all, I usually tell patients that you know, unless they have a strong opinion about it, that they should see how things are going and kind of keep it close to their chest. Obviously, the spouse will know if they have a spouse, right? Often, but I got to tell you, I've done plenty of plastic surgeries on women who don't tell their husbands. And I've done surgery on, on physicians' wives, and they wait for their husbands to go away to a medical convention for a week or two. Their husbands come back, often surgeons, and they don't tell wait, them. Wait, you did surgery on another plastic surgeon's wife? Many. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but here's the thing. A lot of the plastic surgeons bring me their wives because they want me to do this, their wife surgery, because I'm a specialist in facelifting. Yeah. But then other ones, they don't they don't want their husband to do it. So then I do it. But by the time Have you ever done a husband whose wife is a plastic surgeon? I've done one. Interesting. So, but that was from that was a It's because she didn't want to operate on her husband? No. It's, she actually brought me. She brought me her husband. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a really funny story. So here's this is this is really cute. So I was lecturing in Singapore on, at a meeting teaching facelifting, and I met uh, a plastic surgeon from Germany, and he says, you know, he saw me do uh, life surgery and uh, and all this stuff, and he says, you know, I want you to do my wife's facelift. So he brought his wife to have me do her, her facelift. This is probably about two months ago, and I did her facelift, 
and he scrubbed for the surgery, which I do all the time. I, I have no problems with another plastic surgeon watching me do the procedure and assisting me. You know, they just, you know, hold things while I'm working. Uh, I did his wife's facelift and she looked literally like 20 years younger right there. She was in her early 50s. He was in his late 50s. And as soon as she was wheeled out, he walked up and pulled me aside and he says, she looks amazing. She looks gorgeous. He goes, I want mine tomorrow. <laughs> so <laughs> did you I, do it? So the next morning I came in at 4.30 in the morning. I put him before everybody else. I did his facelift. And then they, they left at a week. They got their hyperbaric oxygen treatments. They look stunning. And we needed to fill out paperwork for them because in the EU – they have facial recognition. And even though they look like themselves, they arguably look 20 years younger. So I had to get some extra paperwork filled out so they can, go, you know, they were concerned that they were going to be held at the border and not going to be able to go back in because they didn't look, you know, they'd look, they'd be like, how could you be a 58 year old man? You look yeah. like you're 38 years old. That's some yeah. mission impossible yeah. shit it's right there. Yeah. It's pretty funny. But I have a million stories like that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you need to write a second book with just all your funny stories. Yeah, I'm going to get there. But I think I'm going to write that closer to the end of my career. <laughs> smart, <laughs> smart. <laughs> um, so, okay, I, we've talked about a lot of your patients. Have you ever turned away some patients? Constantly, every day. And is it because they want crazy, you know, overly filled everything? Well, there's different reasons. One of the number one reasons why I turn people away is because they're not at a good phase in their life to think about plastic surgery. Mm. So, you know, people... Psychologically? Yes. Okay. So, and that doesn't mean they're cuckoo. What mm -hmm. it means is that lots of times when people are going through big changes in their life... They want to get some plastic surgery done because they think it's going to improve the situation they're in. So often, you know, if people lose a job or they feel like, you know, their aging and their career has been affected, they want to run in and get a facelift. Or if somebody, you know, unfortunately is in the middle of a divorce mm -hmm. um, and they, you know, they, they, so they're not, they don't have the uh, emotional preparedness to be able to engage. It's a very stressful time. And people make a lot of very snap judgments during those times that mm. probably may they not get be bangs in, yeah. when they shouldn't have <laughs> bangs. bangs, like all these things. You know, it's like what do people do often when they first break up? They first thing they do is they get a haircut, right? Mm -hmm. And, and like, you find I'm gonna, but this is the thing: yeah. this is not a haircut. The hair doesn't grow back. Yeah. So you know, making those kinds of snap judgments and decisions during a time of emotional turmoil mm -hmm. is usually not in the person's best interest. So yeah. I'll tell people that, and I will turn them away. That's one of the most common reasons. But other than that, it's, it has to do with not being the right time or the right procedure. So just because somebody wants something doesn't mean they should have it. So somebody who's coming in for a facelift prematurely, doing surgery before it's necessary, doing anything when it's unnecessary will make things look less natural. So doing a facelift on somebody who really doesn't have anything to treat can do nothing but make them look distorted. I, I love how this interview is turning into why not to go to Dr. Chacono yeah. because my next question is sort of along those lines. How do we stay out of your office then? Like how do we stay looking young if we yeah. don't want to get surgery sure. till later or get injectables well, till later? Yeah. Well, I or mean, at I, all. Yeah. yeah. Or at all. Well, I mean the first thing. Or we thing, can't afford to do any of this. <laughs> yeah. Which is a lot of people. Yeah. Well, of course it is. Well, the first thing is, is that, you, you know, I, this is the unfortunate truth. You know, we can all say, feel, let's all feel comfortable with our aging appearance and just like, you know, embrace it, you know, be joyful about your aging. And it is a privilege to age, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not everybody lives forever. You know, I'm, you know, I'm getting to be a little bit older now. And what I find is that there's so many people that I went to college with, they're my frat brothers I went to med school with, or they were contemporaries who aren't here anymore. So it is a gift to be able to age. But that doesn't mean we want to look older. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. we're in a very high-pressure situation now because we have these high-resolution digital cameras. <laughs> we know what we look like all the time. Our images get posted all over social media. You know, I just had a book launch party at Amaranth on Tuesday. 
And, you know, we had a photographer there and I saw some very unflattering pictures from my profile with my <laughs> neck yourself? down signing up. Absolutely. I'm like, oh my God, I need a neck lift. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Because my head was down. I was signing a book and I'm like, oh my God. That's I'm like, a, I'm a plastic a... surgeon. I can't be walking <laughs> yeah. around like this. But we are very hyper aware of our appearance and it is harder to age today than it was 30 years ago. But what can because we do it, to you, go ahead? Oh, wait, sorry. sorry. No, I, it is harder to age. I was thinking about yeah. asking this, but I was like, maybe this is just me like with a leading question or projecting. Don't sure. you feel like, I don't know what you meant, but I feel like the culture is way more like youth oriented or maybe of just because I'm getting older. Well, well, of course it is because, you know, from my perspective, 30 years ago, if you picked up a Vogue, Cosmo or L, right, mm -hmm. and you looked at the cover, you would never see somebody who's 17 years old gracing the cover. Agree. But today... It's almost it, – it, it can never be young enough. There's going to be babies on the yeah. covers of I, the mask. Yeah, I mean, I mean if we look at the, the, the progression, you know, supermodels were like in their late 20s and early 30s That's years ago. Mm -hmm. And today they're like 16, 17 years old. Yeah, they looked more – I know it was you know, kind of the styling almost, too, but like yeah. more like women, you know, and now it's like yeah, more they, – they're, they're, They don't look like women. They look like kids, you mm -hmm. know. And they are kids, but we have this obsession with youth to the point where we're putting 17-year-olds out there in a hypersexual way, which is a little bit weird. I mean, I'm a dad. I have four kids. You know, and thinking about my daughter at 17 years old, you know, having it all out there on display, it mm -hmm. freaks me out a little bit. I don't know that it's healthy for our youth. Yeah. But the thing is, is that it raises the bar for what people see as being the archetype of what we aspire to. And I don't think that's fair or good, but it's something that we're all dealing with. And I think that we have to be, as a society, a little bit more cognizant of that and be a little bit more regulatory and understand how it affects women, how it affects men, and how it affects how we interact with each other because it does. So, but save all that stuff. And, you know, that's like, you know, that's a, that's, you know, like a, those are big ideas and it's really wonderful to talk about. But, you know, unfortunately, youth and sex sells and that's what people put out there. Unfortunately, the more people click and the more people engage that kind of content, the more we feed it, mm -hmm. you know, it's as true. an industry. Yeah. Jen and, it, and I certainly know that firsthand. <laughs> yeah. But if you want to try to minimize how much you're aging, the most important things are obvious, I think. Um, you know, and these are things you will read over and over and over again. Sun exposure is a disaster. I think that we're doing a lot better than we ever did with that. I think that most people, men and women, would never go and do what I did when I was growing up, which is I used to put like baby oil and iodine on and I used to fry my skin or put like Copper Tone 2 on. I mean, I'm dating myself here, but putting on Copper Tone 4 was like oh my God, how do you do that? Now today, Remember people... Remember SPF 2? That's so cute. <laughs> yeah. like, can you imagine? Do they even make this stuff I don't, anymore? I remember my yeah. friend was yeah. like, I only like eight, and that was not that long ago. Yeah. 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 yeah, but the thing is now people use better sunblocks. Every And I do take care of a lot of young clients you know, who come in and they're coming in for skincare and other things that are engaged in that. So you have to protect your skin. You should be using Retin-A as part of your regimen or some kind of retinol because that builds up the collagen and maintains the collagen layers of your skin. Sunblock and some form of vitamin A derivative, retinol or Retin-A, will pay huge dividends for you. Do you use one? Yeah, of course I do. Like a prescription one? Yeah, I use Retin-A. The Retin-A is the prescriptive type. So as you get older, you need something a little bit stronger. But retinol, which is readily available over the counter in many different products and preparations, is a wonderful way to be able to maintain your skin. So those are like pretty inexpensive and attainable ways of doing this. Not that retinol is cheap, but it's definitely not the same as going to a dermatologist or a plastic surgeon Certainly and getting not. more prescriptive medications. So you do those things and that'll pay huge dividends. I think once you get past that, you know, obviously we don't want to gain and lose too much weight as we stretch our tissues out with that tissue expansion, mm. maintaining your weight appropriately, 
and avoiding, you know, toxic foods. And, you know, this is this is the truth. Gluten sucks. It tastes wonderful. It's toxic to our bodies. You know, toxic? Those are strong words from a doctor. Yeah, they are, though. You know, and, you know, and this is the thing. It's not like I don't like a bowl of pasta every once in a while. Is that, are you saying everybody, it's toxic to everybody? Well, toxic, I what I mean by pasta. toxic is... I love a carb. Yeah, yeah, I love carbs. And, you know, I, I it's harder and harder for me to eat them because as I eat them, I get bigger and bigger. And I got to run more and more to burn them off. <laughs> but the truth is, is that there's lots of inflammatory properties to food. You know, and to simple sugars. Of course, to yeah. simple sh- sugars and processed carbs. And, you know, it tastes really, really good. But you know what? There's a lot of truth. If you just eat good things, and we all know what to do. We learned this in grade school. What were you supposed to eat? do? Eat fruits and vegetables and good produce. You know, you eat, mm-hmm. you know, lean meats. I mean, everybody knows what to do. It just don't taste so good. <laughs> yeah. So the more alcohol we drink, the more tobacco we smoke and all those things. And you know what? You can't be you can't be an angel all the time, but trying to minimize those things that definitely age your tissues and age your skin. There's no question that eating a lot of processed food and sugar it definitely puts a toll on your skin. Any dermatologist mm. will tell Just you. That. Oh, I thought I thought Jen was looking at no, me like, mm, no, you're, we you're, both you're are sheepish right now. We were both shrinking in our seats yeah. like but that. Here, I was trying to but hide. Here's the thing. Jen, you're, you no, do, Jen's a good it, eater. It, 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 I eat a lot of like little, uh, I like little treats. I have pasta like four nights a week. Me, me too. <laughs> me too. Yeah, but here, here's I the think thing. I'm not saying that you have to be perfect all the time. But trying to be cognizant of these things okay. and minimizing your exposure to them will definitely do better for you over the long haul, right, over decades of your life. But s- but save Farrow. those things. I think Botox. Ancient grains. <laughs> yes, ancient grains. I like those yes. too. But Botox is definitely something that helps as you start to age and usually in the early 30s and beyond because you start to get folds He literally is like, gluten is toxic, but put this toxin <laughs> in your face. Yeah, un- unfortunately, because if you keep, the best way to think about your skin and Botox is think about wearing a leather coat. It's brand new. It's, the leather is silky and smooth. But as you start to wear it and you look at the elbows where it folds over and over again, mm-hmm. you fold the leather over and over again, you start to get cracks and wrinkles. So people who engage Botox, not when they're 21 years old, but as they start to see lines and wrinkles, it will prevent you from getting more characteristic lines in the upper third of the face, the forehead, the eyes around the eyes, the crow's feet. If you maintain that, and you don't have to do Botox all the time, but even if you do it once a year to minimize how much those muscles flex, will stop you from getting more wrinkles in your skin. So those are the main things that I think you do in the early phases of your life. Obviously, you continue to age. You put a little filler in. It is supportive, but you don't overdo it. You know, it. And then you late nature take its course. Given us a lot of advice. Too much. As you enter. <laughs> no, no, no. We have to learn all of it. Okay, before you go, one last question. What's sure. in your medicine cabinet right now? What do you use on your face? So I use I use the I use uh, 0.05 uh, tretinoin, which mm-hmm. is retin A. I use this thing. It's uh, it's SkinCeuticals. It's vitamin C E ferulic. I love it. So I put that on my skin every day. Um, at nighttime, if I'm feeling dry, and you know this is going to be very, uh, you know. It, I mean, I don't. I don't want to suggest that you need to use such a fancy moisturizer, but I have La Mer cream that I put I on. I knew it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is that it, you know, most of these moisturizers they're very equivalent, but there's something about the silky feel of that stuff. And it's, and <laughs> he it's just fragrance. likes his La Mer. Yeah, and I don't put it on all the time, but the thing, especially during the winter time, you know, when you're in New York and it's winter, you get your skin gets very dry and cracked. And but you can use SPF? something as simple as Cetaphil. Cetaphil moisturizer is wonderful. It's very inexpensive, and it's something that's available at every at every pharmacy. So the main things you want to do is you want to exfoliate your skin. You want to support it with some kind of a, 
vitamin A derivative. I use Retin-A. You can use Retinol. And I think you used to use some kind of antioxidant. The skin, the vitamin C, uh, you know, vitamin C, E, ferulic from SkinCeuticals is one of my favorite. But there are multiple preparations of these kinds of things, something that's antioxidant protective, something to build the collagen layers, and something to moisturize the skin, and you're great. Ad you, you, you're great. Oh my god, you, you should be on TV. That was so. <laughs> I think like, he has. He's been on like the Today yeah, Show and stuff. Yeah. I used to have my own TV show. You know that? What? Well, it was it was. I do a lot of charitable surgery. You know, yes. so I so I do a lot of pro bono surgery on children, but I also do um, reconstructive surgery on women and children who are victims of domestic violence. That so, is so fantastic. Yeah. That you do so that. I so I had a TV show. Thank you. And on uh, Discovery Channel. And this was probably, my God, probably 2008, 2009. It was only one, one, um, you know, one, one season that we did it. You know, and what I did was, is I, and I do a lot of this work, but, you know, one of my friends was a, uh, you know, TV producer and he's like, you do this great work, you know, we should do a TV show about it. So then I, you know, every episode I would do two people who had a story and unfortunately mm. had facial disfigurement from domestic violence. Oh, wow. And we did that. And it was a very interesting process to be in a TV show, but Mm -hmm. it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather be doing the work. Yeah. And one of my good friends, and this is funny, um, one of my good friends is um, Dr. Paul Nassif, who's on Botched. Yes, yes. Yeah. So Dr. Paul Nassif, you know, he's, you know, we're, we're very close. And he's, you know, the amount of time that you spend, and I knew I did it for one season, you know, doing a television show, it actually makes it very difficult to be a surgeon and take care of your patients. So stick you know, to what I, you're good at. You do. You have Dr. Nassif is a great surgeon and he's also uh, he, he's also really great on TV. I love watching him. He is funny. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm lucky that we have you in the studio today. And thank you so much for all of the. Thank you. I'm going to go yeah. have some pasta. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm you've given me a lot to no, think about. Food for thought. Also, I hope you're like working in 25 years because you might get a little dingling from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have four children. I have a lot of people to support in my life. So <laughs> we'll see you in twenty five years. Yeah, Thank you. Wow, well, that's gonna be. I'm gonna be old. <laughs> You're sharp. You don't want to come to me. I'll send you to one of my guys that I trained. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. It's time to raise a wand. Okay. Can we also just stay friends with Dr. Jacono so that? In 30 years, he can do our plastic surgery. <laughs> call me. I'll call you. What are you raising a wand to? It's so funny. Um, so I, it's a nail polish. It's not the stickers that I just mentioned before. This is another nail polish that I personally have used and can attest to. So I needed to do my nails in a flash the other day for like an event or something. And I was like, oh, gosh, I don't have time to get a manicure. I'm really bad at doing my own nails. This one color, Sally Hansen Color Therapy in Rose Quartz. It looks a little pinky. You see that gem? Mm-hmm. It's perfect for giving you that, like, just groomed look. It's not opaque. It's sheer. So, like, any skin tone this would yeah, work Any on. skin tone. Yeah, I would not call it a nude in the way, like, you know, it's not that kind of flat nude. It doesn't have that the depth and richness. It's just, like, a really nice gloss, and it's color therapy, so we know it has some good things in there for your... For your nails. Um, And just gives them like a little polish. It gives them a polish. And 
One last thing. I don't know if it's available in stores right now, but I see it on Amazon and there's a price reduction. I mean, oh, you know how they get it, while, get it while it's going, yeah, guys. Yeah, it's under $5 on Amazon. I think that might be. They often discontinue some of their shades. I feel like they All just a lot of the nail do. lines. Because think about how many SKUs they have. They come out every season, new colors. Mm-hmm. So if you want, what is it called? Rose Quartz? Rose Quartz. And the yeah, I have to say, just full stop about Sally Hansen, they make the best brushes because they have a nice curve to them. Oh, and yeah, thick. yeah, they yeah. fan out. I love their brushes. So you could do it quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to raise a wand to R&Co Television Shampoo and Conditioner. Okay. It was a perfect storm that told me I had to try this. Garen was talking about R&Co, and I was like, honestly, I haven't really tried that many of their products. I went home, I forget, for some holiday or birthday or whatever. My mom's best friend was like, have you heard about this R-Co stuff? Uh. Hey, what up, Andy Lipson? I know you listen <laughs> every week. So she's like, well, your friend Jessica is obsessed with it because it smells so good. And your, 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 her another daughter, Jessica, right? Her daughter, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and she has an amazing sense of smell. So I was like, it probably smells amazing if she likes it. So I, So I got myself some. Oh my God! Have you ever used this shampoo? No. And so what is the names are always a little funky, but like they allude to what they do. Television, television? perfect hair. Like I'm gonna have TV commercial oh, hair. Oh, that's I think cool. it's just their basic shampoo and conditioner. I really like that it's not super moisturizing, so it hasn't been weighing down my hair. I feel like my waves are nice and fluffy. They are fluffy. Um, not as much as like a clarifying shampoo, just like a good everyday shampoo. Mm-hmm. It smells like bergamot and fl- it's like the I most refreshing, that. not citrus, not floral, but like soft, beautiful. If I like shook my head in front of you, you'd be like, gee, your hair smells hair. terrific. <laughs> right? That might be another shampoo. It is. It's like an old one. Anyway. That's so funny. Shout out to the Lipsons for bringing it to my attention. Shout out to Garen for starting the damn company. Raise <laughs> a wand. Thanks for listening. Fat Mascara is produced by our friends at Atwell Media. You can check out our website, fatmascara.com, for episode recaps, product recommendations, and discount codes. And if you want to reach us directly, email us at info at fatmascara.com, or you can follow us on social at Fat Mascara, shoot us a DM, and we'd love if you went over to iTunes and threw us a rating. How many stars? Five. Five, please. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 
code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.